0: Hey everyone, welcome to Fast Talk, your source for the science of cycling performance. I'm your host, Chris Case. The off-season can be one of the most productive times of the year. It offers the opportunity to reflect on last season, to assess what went well and what could be improved, and then to look forward and strategize about how to progress both in your training and in your performances. Today, we'll focus on the art and science of how to set goals and incorporate them into your training. Coach Connor starts off with a discussion of how to determine your goals, first by performing a season assessment, which feeds his gap analysis, which in turn yields a goal-setting strategy. Coach Ryan Kohler joins us for the second half of the show to describe his SMART analysis. That's S for specific, M for measurable, A for achievable, R for realistic, and T for time-bound, before explaining his method for incorporating that information into macro and then into mesocycles. The off-season isn't just about sitting back and relaxing, although you should do a bit of that too. This time of year is perfect for putting in some homework, being honest with yourself about where you've been and where you want to go, so that the coming season can be as successful as possible. And with that, let's make you fast. Hey, Fast Talk listeners, you may have heard about our new coaching, education, and community membership program, Fast Talk Laboratories. We're pleased to offer you a chance to become a Fast Talk Laboratories member for free. Our new listener member level is free of charge and gets you access to over 130 Fast Talk episode transcripts. Our new episode transcripts are searchable, scannable, and include links to helpful resources that we mention on air. Listener members also get our weekly newsletter, which highlights new episodes and offers access to limited-time free content on our site. So come join Fast Talk Labs. Just go to FastTalkLabs.com, click Become a Member, and sign up as a listener member free of charge. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fast Talk. I'm your host, Chris Case. We've got Coach Trevor Connor, Coach Ryan Kohler, and today we're talking about goal setting. It's one of the best times of the year in my mind. I have many fond memories of sitting down, looking back, seeing what went right, what went wrong in that previous season, but also getting really excited, looking ahead and saying, where could I be better? What events do I want to do to really take advantage of my strengths? What events do I want to do to test the things that I've worked on that may have been previously considered weaknesses, but I want to turn them into maybe new strengths or just bring them up a level. So it's really, in my mind, a great time of year. There's a lot of analysis that takes place. Um, And, you know, I remember sitting down with Joe Friel's book, Cyclist Training Bible, and just paging through that section and walking step by step through his process for you know, looking back, looking forward, all of that. So, today we're going to dive into that goal setting topic, pick it apart a bit more. Let's get into it. Trevor, do you have any memories of sitting down with Joe Friel's book, maybe, or some other book, and getting into this process way back when? Maybe
1: in your case, Trevor, 20 years ago? I think I have the first edition of Joe wow. Friel's book, and that was the very first cycling book I ever read. Nice. So I I remember some of this. I actually, so if you remember, we interviewed him, what, two years ago now for the the newest edition of Mm -hmm. the Cyclist Training Bible? And I, over years as a coach, talked to a whole bunch of people about how to build goals, how to do season assessments, how to do gap analysis, and took all this advice and and built what I thought was this really unique and really cool way of doing this. And then read Joe Friel's newest edition of his book two years ago and went, wow, this is virtually identical to what I do with my athletes. Uh, Slightly different terminology, but it's pretty much the same thing. So as much as I would love to say, hey, I came up with this all on my own really... I have to give full credit here. Probably all those people who are giving me advice had read his book. (laughs) It was just filtering through to me in little bits and pieces, and and I just managed to put together what was already written. Yeah, that said, this is not a regurgitation of Joe Friel's book here
0: today. This is going to take into the conversation. We'll bring in Ryan's experience, Trevor's experience, my experience of all of these things through the lens of a really well-crafted Uh, method for goal setting and season planning.
1: So we are going to take you now through the whole process that Ryan and I use with our athletes. Chris asked me if I was prepared for this. I'm like, Chris, I have given this talk more times than I can count. Uh, This is probably the episode I'm the most prepared for that we have ever done. So I will take you through how I get at defining goals with my athletes. There is a process to it. I I think just saying to somebody, come up with goals, without any background of of how to define those goals, you tend to get either very unrealistic goals or goals that they're really not that committed to. Where the way I do it with my athletes, by the time they get to setting the goals or, or defining the goals, that's actually the easiest part. I feel like the one
0: time we worked together on a project and you were technically coaching me, you had me walk through this process. And if I'm not mistaken, this this uh form or the the questionnaire that you had me fill out, there was a back and forth. It was a it was a process. It wasn't just a here list a few things and okay, yeah, great. Now let's move on. It was no, those are actually not really what we're what I'm looking for. We want to change those a little bit. We want to nuance that sentence a little bit so that it really gets to a goal and not a, not something else. So we're talking about a very specific thing here and it's, yeah, gr- great point about you, you can't have goals that are just, I mean, there's, there's challenge goals and then there's unrealistic goals and there, <laughs> there's, there's a distinction to be made there.
1: Something that was told to me very early in my cycling career is goals have to be realistic. That is really important. And when we get to the goals part, I'll talk more about this. But look, your goal can be, I want to go to the Olympics. But if you're a Cat 5 cyclist and you write down the goal, I want to go to the Olympics, that's probably way down the road.
0: Yeah, that can be a goal, but it
1: might not be goal year one. It's not something that really helps you right now. So you always have to think of what are goals that are ambitious but achievable. And I always have my athletes define goals in in a a one-year period of what is achievable this year but ambitious. But we'll we'll get to that. So I have a a three-step process with my athletes. And I will tell you, there are times as a coach, and, and Ryan can probably speak to this too, where you really need to be a cheerleader. When I go through this process with my athletes, as you saw, I am as nitpicky as I can get. (laughs) This is not the place where you're a cheerleader. Not at all. To the point that, so the second step is a gap analysis. I have a policy. I don't care how good a job they do on the gap analysis. I send it back to them at least twice to redo it.
0: You are playing the role of a good editor here and making sure that uh, (laughs) someone is using the exact
1: words they should be using. And I have had many athletes be really frustrated. with like, I put so much work into that, and you have all these red lines all over it, and you're making me rework it. And I'm like, but that's my policy. I, I, I don't care how good a job you did, I'm sending it back to you. That was decided before you ever wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, part of that is just the, this is important. These are things that you really need to make sure you've thought through. So let me take you through the process that that I have. So my first step is a season assessment. And actually, I, this I got from Chrissy Redden. And who is that? Chrissy Redden is a Canadian Olympian. So she came and spoke at the center, talked to us about uh, her success. And she talked about this sh- these sheets of paper that she had that were her season assessments. So at the end of every year, she sat down and did this assessment and she said it was really the most valuable thing that she owned. Looking yeah. back on what
0: she had done right. or not done or accomplished or not accomplished in the previous season.
1: The point that she made is, yes, there are things that you learn every year, particularly in successful years, that at the time seem really obvious. It's surprising how quickly you can forget these things. And if you don't write them down, you, know, you finish a year and you go, that's obvious, I'll never forget this. You do you do forget it, and she said it is invaluable for her. Whenever she was struggling and she was having a tough time, she would look back at these season assessments, read through them, she said invariably, she would find something and go, oh my God, how did I forget that? Then she told us some great stories about other cyclists uh, trying to steal these sheets from her and (laughs) get all of her secrets, so she had to uh, keep them kind of hidden and private. After I heard that, I actually keep a little book that travels to every race with me. And I keep, so I have season assessments of the like last 20 years. Um, and, and that just goes everywhere with me. It's the same thing. I look back and just go, oh my God, how did I forget that? And you
0: actually write them down on paper? They're not in digital format, Trevor? This, this is, is the one place I actually wow. do paper. Wow, and a pencil or a pen? Pen. Pen. But I do have a pencil, I do own <laughs> a pencil. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, What if you lost these books, these notebooks? I would cry. I would cry a lot.
1: <laughs> Honestly, so there's always- What if
0: those th- notebooks got into the wrong hands?
1: Chris, I don't ever put it near you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need your notebooks to beat you, son. <laughs> oh, boy. Yes. So I keep other things in this book. It's more than just my season assessment, but this is a little book that travels everywhere Ooh. with me. And so I there's care, always I want to hear about these other things in this yeah, book. <laughs> <laughs> all I right. said that, no we'll, double entendre. We'll save
0: that for another episode, people. Yeah.
1: So season assessment, There, there's a few parts to it. The first part is to look back at the whole year, and I don't care if you're a racer or if you're not a racer. I, ever, all of us have things that we want to do in the year, whether it's just improve fitness, whatever. So this isn't a only do this if you are a racer. I coach several athletes who don't race, and I have them do this as well. So... Step number one, look back on the season and ask yourself the question, was the season a success, yes or no? And you have to answer yes or no. There's no qualifying, there's no well sort of, there's no maybe, was it a success, yes or no? Once you have answered that, then write a paragraph explaining why it was or was not a success. That's important because you just need to be realistic with yourself of, was that a good year for me or was that a bad year for me and this is all this you you get into that school mindset and and i've had athletes that worry that they're going to get a failing grade there's (laughs) no such a thing as a failing grade on this yeah i've had plenty of years that i look back on instantly wrote no and here's all the reasons why and that's just as valuable if not more valuable than saying yes exactly so that's the first part the second part which is the most important part is to pick the three to five things that you learned this year that you never want to forget. And what I have all my athletes do is write a title that they underlined that is the short summary of it. So something like I learned the value of making my easy rides really easy. You know, something really short like that. Then I want two to four sentences expanding on it, explaining it. And again, there's there's a reason for this. It's, you might read this in five years, having completely forgotten this thing that you you learned, and you need to be able to remember what was that about. So you need a quick description, so you can look in and go, yep, no, I remember that. Or you might read and go, whoa, I used to think that easy ride should be easy. (laughs) And then you read your description explaining why. So think of, you are writing to yourself in five years, who has forgotten this point? What do they need to know? So three to five things, most important things you'll learn this year. And then the final bit is just quick and short, a list of things that really worked and things that didn't work. And this could be things like, I discovered eating this food made me have to get out of the race, so I will never eat this food again. Or I really like this particular interval workout. Or I found riding with people really motivated me. Just little things like this. But just a list of what worked, what didn't work.
0: Now, can I put you on the spot a little bit here and say that we're going to share some of these assessments,
1: your assessments, with people? I have written all this up for my athletes. So let me bring up some of the examples that I gave them. So the season assessment, one, so I have underlined, the importance of going slow during base. And then the description, I found that keeping it slow really helped uh, raise my stamina during the race season. What worked was being careful to watch my heart rate and stay fairly religious in the correct range. So that was actually taken right out of one of my own season Mm -hmm. assessments. Mm -hmm. Same with this one. So I had underlined, I need a short taper. I find if I taper for more than a week, I get rusty. The best taper for me is a hard week, then a few days rest, then moderate training for three or four days before the race. Now, that's me, and that's the whole point of this season yeah, assessment. it's specific it's, to
0: an individual.
1: I have had athletes where if I gave them that taper, it would destroy them for the race. Sure. That just had the way I work. And that's, that's the value of this. It's learning yourself. I gave some of our examples already of what worked and what didn't work, but here some of the ones from my own book. Drink mix you might really like, uh, a type of interval you found didn't work, a particular detail about your warm-up routine, things like that. Great. That's the first part. Uh, the season assessment and that's really important and I encourage all my athletes don't throw this out keep it as a matter of fact uh, I used to give all my athletes their own little book Mm -hmm. and tell them to do this and keep it in the book Uh, so I highly recommend that and build this knowledge base because you can go back over your own assessments and like I said you'll be amazed what you have forgotten Maybe it's a silly question. Is
0: there a particular reason why you do this with pen and paper still rather than just doing it in a a cloud-based document that lives online somewhere? Is there something about the the act of writing this down or is it just a carryover, a habit from yesteryear?
1: You know, I have thought about transferring it to my computer a bunch of times. It just it started as a book and I really like it as a book. And that book always goes to races with me. Sure. And I like The Night Before Important Races to just go through the book. There, there are certain pages that help get me in the right mindset that remind me of things. I have some pages in there on what works and doesn't work for me in racing. Um, and it just really helps me to sit there uh, on my bed getting ready for the next day to just read through all this. Yeah. So you watch Rocky, then you watch chariots
0: of fire, and then you go through your book while you're pinning your number on your jersey and your set.
1: Right. Then I go find somebody beat the crap out of them and go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a, what a pre-race ritual. That's great. Entertaining, uh, violent, bringing and up, I'm, like, I'm going to be revved up. If I do all that, <laughs> I'm going to have to go work it out of my system. Yeah. <laughs> No. All right. Um, so that, that is part of my routine. And, and I just like it as a book, not the night before a race flipping through a computer. So, it, but yeah, no, it, it always has concerned me that if that book ever burned up, I would cry a lot. I will also say, going back through the years, part of the reason I find it really valuable to say, was the season a success or not? I have found it interesting when I go back to really old season assessments, like 10 years ago, where I've pretty much forgotten everything you see the difference in tone. If it was a successful year, you can really see my writing's much more positive. I Mm. really focused on the things that that worked. If it was an unsuccessful year, I can see the difference in my tone. A little more defeated, a little more dejected, a little more focused on the things that didn't work.
0: Yeah, this is not unlike the notes that people put in in training peaks for given rides. There's a bit of psychology Mm -hmm. in the positivity or negativity to the tone that they're using, right? And this is just on a grander scale for a season.
1: Exactly. But I've actually found it really interesting that at times when I am struggling and I notice that I'm getting negative about my own training and my own season, going back and reading those seasons assessments from – really good years, remind me the mindset and actually help to change the way that I am thinking about my current season. So there's something beyond, there's kind of a gestalt thing here, which is the, the whole is bigger than the sum of the parts. Sometimes you get something out of reading that season assessment that's more than just the, the little tips and tricks that you learned.
0: Mm-hmm. Great.
1: All right. Okay. Step two. Step two is the gap analysis. This is, to me, the most important part. And this is where I will have athletes go through it again and again and again until they, they wanna shoot me. Hmm. But I think it's really important to go through the process and to rethink it a few times. So a gap analysis is, means you are doing an assessment of where you're at, where you are trying to get to, and what is separating you, why you are not already there. Uh, this is where people struggle the most. My athletes struggle the most because they immediately want to jump into goal setting. So here's one of the strange things. And look, I've taken business school classes. I've taken sports psychology classes. And they always tell you, don't focus on problems. Focus on the solutions. And and we've all had that ingrained in our heads. So right now I'm going to tell you, you want to do a successful gap analysis? Focus on the problems. Mm -hmm. Don't think about the solutions yet. And I will give you an example of why this was something that I learned uh, with one of the first athletes I ever coached. I had him do his gap analysis and he, instead of saying my, my, one of my gaps is when I'm in a race and it starts getting really intense, I can't respond to the big attacks. That, that would be a good gap. What he wrote was, I need to work on my one, two minute power. Sure, he tried to
0: identify the solution before even realizing what the the true gap might have been.
1: And being a a fairly new and experienced coach, I went, okay, cool, let's work on your one, two minute power. And he was doing intervals where he was putting out amazing power. So I'm like, I I don't get why this is an issue. So uh, fortunately then he started racing So I I, I was working on this with him through the winter, getting him ready for the race season, so he started going to his first races. And lo and behold, you saw what the real issue was, which was the attacks wouldn't start until a couple hours into a race, so the field would be going fairly steady. And he was about two beats per minute below his threshold heart rate for those two hours before the attacks happened. Mm -hmm. Where all these guys who were attacking were probably at a 130, 140 heart rate, not struggling all that much he didn't have the fitness
0: yep so Um, when he got to that crucial point in the race he didn't have as much left so it wasn't at all about one to two minute power it was about something very different
1: if you are going easy you always have a big attack Uh, even if you say you know my attack isn't my great strength you know i've always said i'm not a sprinter i don't have a good one minute but if I'm riding at 130 beats per minute, yeah, I can put out for me a pretty damn good one minute. Sure. If you are already at your limit, I don't care what sort of one minute power you can do fresh, you're not gonna be able to tap into that. Mm-hmm. So that's um, that was a big lesson for me. And so that's why it's important in a gap analysis, don't identify the solutions because until you understand what the problem is, you might actually be identifying the solu- a solution that is not the solution to the problem. Right. So you gotta identify the problem, and that's the gap analysis. And I guarantee you, everybody, your first attempt at this, you're gonna go, yep, yeah, I got that, you're gonna write it, I'm gonna challenge you to reread it, and remember what we just talked about, identify the problem, not the solution, and you're gonna be surprised how much you actually still wrote solutions. Mm-hmm. I have athletes I've worked with for five, six years. I have this talk with them every year and the first pass of the gap analysis is all solutions. Then I go, great, but go back and identify (laughs) the problem. Yeah. So let's go through the steps of the gap analysis. The first part is to identify your current level. This is where you really need to be honest with yourself.
0: And what do you mean by your current level? What what terminology would people put on that?
1: So that depends on the rider. If you are a racer, you need to define yourself relative to the field that you race. So an example would be, I am a top twenty regional cat four rider. Um, if you're not a racer, then you need to come up with ways of defining yourself that are related to how you, how you want to see yourself related. You know, even though we haven't gotten to the goals yet, related to your goals. So. If you just like doing in the context
0: of the type of performance you're looking for, whether it's a grand fondo or a gravel race or something.
1: So if you're doing a grand fondo, where where would you define your level currently in a grand fondo? If you just go riding with your local buddies. So for example, I have an athlete I coach who doesn't race, but he goes out and rides with his brother all the time. And the fact of the matter is, he's very competitive with his brother. So he defined himself as I I struggle to hold on to my brother's wheel. That was his current level. So if you're just focused on fitness, put your, your put in those terms. Um, if you're just trying to get healthier, put your current level in terms of where your health is at. Uh, but you have to be honest. Right. This whole process takes a lot of honesty. And it, it's <laughs> tough. And again, this you're not being graded on this. It's yeah, just, I mean,
0: the ultimate, I mean, if you're not honest here, then the chances of you improving are less. If you are really honest here, the chances of you getting to where you want to be are that much greater. Would you, would you agree with that?
1: Yes. Good point. Thanks, thanks for the reminder. There's actually an analogy that I use with my athletes uh, that I think really helps to describe this. So I use a map analogy uh, when I'm trying to describe this gap analysis. It's you're trying to get somewhere. And we talked at the beginning of this episode about how you might be trying to get to the Olympics, but you have to think about what, where you are right now and, and what are the steps. So this is the same thing. You might be trying to get to Miami. That might be the ultimate goal. You, to get to Miami, you have to first know where you are. And that sounds like a really stupid thing to say, but the fact of the matter is if you are in Seattle, which kind of sucks because that's a really long drive to Miami, But if you are in Seattle and you think you're in Atlanta, you're going to get really lost. So it might be nice to say you're in Atlanta, much shorter drive, but you're not going to get there. So start by first saying, where am I at? Okay, I'm in Seattle, got a bit of a drive ahead of me. But knowing where you are, you can then say, what is the next step? What is the next location to get to? So. Uh, I'm trying to think of my geography right now, but maybe the first step is to get somewhere in Montana. So think of that as that's that year's goals. What is accomplishable this year? Okay, so the next step for me is to get to Montana. Once I'm somewhere in Montana, then I'm going to try to get somewhere in Idaho. And it's taking these steps to ultimately get to Montana. So that analogy is basically the way this gap analysis works. It's first start with where am I at? You got to be honest. If you're not honest, you're going to get lost. Then what is the next step, the next level? So in this analogy, what's the next place that you can uh, accomplish? So when, when I, I talk with cyclists, I say in a year, but if in the driving analogy, maybe it's what's the first place that I can get to before I have to stop for the night. Then the next day, you assess where you're at. What's the next place that I can drive to that I can get to before I have to go to bed. So gap analysis, same thing. Where am I at, what's the next stop? Then the next year you do your next gap analysis. Where am I at, what's the next stop? It's gotta be achievable and it's gotta be realistic.
0: A to B, B to C, C to D, instead of A to X.
1: And you are never gonna get to the next stop if you don't first recognize where you are. And it's tough. Often you're gonna do the gap analysis, look at where you are and go, I don't like this. <laughs> but accept it because if you accept it, you have a better chance of getting to that next place. So that's the first part. Where are you at? Make it one sentence, succinct to the point, be
0: honest. What would be what would you what would your sentence be right now, Trevor?
1: My current level? Yeah. So I'm still racing. I'm still racing in the one two, so I would say Able to hang in the field, but not a contender when the race gets hard, which is really hard for me to say, but that's the truth. Gap analysis, you're always trying to say, so the next part that we're going to talk about is the next level. You're always trying to see where can you improve. I don't want to ever write a gap analysis saying, here's where I'm at. And by the end of this year, (laughs) I want to be down. I I want to be lower.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What I mean in the grand context of your quote unquote career here is that you're not probably going to return to the level you were yeah. at six years ago. Which is
1: another nice thing about this take it in steps. Um, and and a gap analysis and goals are about this year because, yeah, what I will identify as the next level for me, what i identify as goals are still way below where I used to be. Right. So, but you can still have excitement to say, here's where I'm at this year and here's where I can improve this year. Then, then it's positive. Mm-hmm. So... The next step in the gap analysis is what is your next level? And again, succinct, one sentence. And this is what is a level that is achievable this year? So a bad, if you said my, my current level is I'm I'm a middle of the pack cat for a rider, my next level is Olympic gold medalist. Yeah, a little bit of a stretch. I'm going to go, maybe you'll get there, but not this year. Yeah. You you want it to not be overly ambitious, but you also don't want it to be under ambitious. So if you said I'm right now a, you know, I finish about fiftieth in the cat threes. Uh, to say my next level is finishing about fortieth in the cat threes, not ambitious enough. Right. So you might go from. I'm middle of the pack cat threes to, I'm finishing with the league group in the cat threes. Mm-hmm. And then the following year might be I'm winning cat three races. Right. These are the steps. So a good next level is ambitious, but achievable in a season. And again, be honest, uh, keep it succinct, one sentence. The more you write out your current and next level, the more dishonest you get with yourself. <laughs> so it's gotta be one sentence, succinct. Then the next part, and this is the hardest part, this is what I send back to my athletes again and again and again and again to redo, is the what separates you from the next level. So it's asking the question, you've identified your current level, you've identified the next level, why are you not already at the next level? What is separating you from that? And this is identifying the problems, not the solutions. So, so you wouldn't say, oh, it's my one-two-minute
0: power here. You might say, oh, the difference between being middle of the pack and top 20 or podium or top 10 or whatever the, the case may be is give us an example.
1: There are tons of examples. Before I give an example, let me just say what I tend to find with athletes is when you are new to the sport, it's mostly just training. It's mostly just, I need to work on this side of my fitness. Or, you know, I have this issue in my fitness, that issue in my fitness. As you get to higher and higher levels, you have to be more creative. Hmm. Um, you Get into mindset, get into nutrition, get into preparation. Is is do you allow people to use um, personal life or home life mm-hmm. as a as a gap? So I just got a gap a couple of days ago from an athlete that I'm working with who has a very stressful job that prevents her from getting to her training a lot. So her gap is uh, I'm not able to put in sufficient time to train.
0: Mm-hmm. I figured so. it. I figured as much. Yep, because that is a is a very. Critical and significant component yep. to a lot of people's lives yep. is outside of the training they get to do.
1: I have some examples here that I send to my athletes. Good examples of gaps are: I can't hang on the longer climbs, or I struggle to stay at the front of the field in the last few miles of a race, or I don't seem to have the strength and endurance to last in a three-hour race. Those were very race-focused. Again, this is not for you know not everybody is a racer, but mm-hmm. you you can still do similar sort of things, but notice that's just saying, Here's what I'm noticing. Here's the issues. It's not the solution. Here's examples of what not to write. I need to raise my functional threshold power. Right, I need sure. to lose weight. I want to improve my. So if you start your gap with, I want, I need.
0: Red flag that those are not phrased correctly. Those right. are not exactly gaps that we're looking right. for.
1: And I'm sure a bunch of people are listening to this and cringing and going, But we always have to focus on solutions. And I agree. We want to get to the solutions. But you can't get to the solution until you know the problem. Mm-hmm. And So we're identifying the problem. So this is doing all these things that sports psychologists and business school have told you not to do. Your statement should be things like, I can't. I struggle. I don't. Do you have any recollection
0: of the weirdest gaps that you've received? Because I, uh, I want some weird gaps. Well, I will tell you one story. Okay, good. (laughs) Story time is fun.
1: I am reluctant to tell. This was this poor soul that uh, was in Victoria when I was training there, and he used to come on our group rides. And he was convinced that he was Canada's top cyclist, and he was going to the Olympics. Now, he was was a decent cyclist. I would say he was a kind of of middle-of-the-pack Cat 2 rider. But the difference between a middle-of-the-pack cat 2 rider and an Olympic champion is unfortunately a very, very big gap. And I admire him for his convictions that he was Canada's best cyclist and going to the Olympics. But this gets into that being realistic with yourself. When we would go out in the group rides, we would hit these long climbs. And because we were out training, you know, we all had it drilled in our head, you don't hit the hills hard. You, you just keep up the, 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 the tempo, the perceived effort. So as soon as we would hit a hill, he would get to the front of the pack and try to drive the pace. And we would all be like, no, we're not racing. This is training. So we would let him go. So he started claiming that <laughs> he was the top climber uh, in Victoria. Uh, however, there would be periodic times where, as we were getting closer to season, we would hit the hills hard. So, halfway up, we would start standing up and racing it. Uh, and he would get dropped. So, admiring the courage of his convictions, instead of changing his phrase that maybe I'm not the best climber in Victoria, he said, I am the best seated climber. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yes. his gap was he is not yet the best. <laughs> I struggle standing at, sta-
0: at competing when, it's stand- when you're allowed to stand on your bike. Very so interesting.
1: That, that was one of the, the more unique, but that was uh, unfortunately using gap analysis to maintain a, a bit of a misconception about where he was at. Anything else for this portion
0: about gap analysis, Trevor?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. So I do have an optional part that I added to the gap analysis for my athletes. I didn't originally have this, but just because of exactly what you're asking, I felt it was important to have which is after they would do the gap analysis, I would have them answer the question, looking at the next level, is that achievable this year? Uh, Some athletes skip that part, but it is good to have them do that part because I have had them sometimes go, no, actually, I think the amount of work, the amount of time that's required, uh, I can't do. So that next level isn't achievable. So I have an athlete right now I'm working with and um, she really wants to raise her level. She's about to enter the 60-plus the category um, and, and really wants to race strong in that, that level. She's not going to be 60-plus this year. So she was identifying the next level for where she wants to be when she's 60-plus. And then we, we went through that. And I said, is that achievable this year? And she went, actually, the, the year she turns 60, she's on sabbatical. She's like, it'll be very achievable that year. But this year, no. So we actually then had to go back and revise her gap analysis and say, what is achievable this year? And ultimately, and it's never fun to do this, in her gap analysis, she basically said next level is just to maintain form this year so that next year I can, I can hit that higher level. So it is important to look at this and always ask that question of, do I have the time, do I have the resources to actually, I mean, you might physiologically be able to hit that level but do other factors prevent you from getting there right so that seems a little
0: contradictory in that um you want to i mean we haven't gotten to goal setting here you're 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 saying this is my current level this is the next level the next level just to clarify isn't necessarily your goal for that season next level is just what you've identified
1: as well no it's it's should be as i said the next level is something that should be achievable in a season ambitious but achieve, achievable but you just said that she said she couldn't do it so this is why i have that optional assessment <laughs> is so this is the good old all things being equal if she could go and train hard sure then it it is um achievable so this is just going back and and reassessing again does life actually allow you to achieve this? So, yeah, I could set a next level for myself that is achievable, that's getting me back to where I used to be. Um, But if I did the assessment on the feasibility, I'd have the same thing with the hours that I'm putting in at work. uh, if If I wasn't doing those hours, yes, this would be achievable. But with the hours I'm doing, no, it's not achievable. So sometimes that's not always factored in. So that's, that's why it's an optional. It's, it's that because the gap analysis is so important. It's just another way to look at it and, and assess whether this is truly doable or not.
0: Well, I think it's time we move on to goal setting, the part that probably everybody really wants to get to. But those other two steps are incredibly important. But here we are, goal setting. What's it all about, Trevor?
1: So I'm gonna start this and then Ryan can finish it because Ryan has, so we both categorize our goals and he has a few more categories than I do. So I always have my athletes break goals into two types, performance goals and training goals. So I'll start with the performance goals. These are things that you want to achieve this season. Now they are often very race focused. It can be, I wanna win race X. Or I would like to finish on the podium in a Cat 3 race. Typically, that's what athletes give. But even if you don't race, you can still come up with performance goals. It might be you want to PR a particular climb. It might be you want to finish an event that you were never able to finish. Um, So you can have goals that are not—they don't always have to be results-oriented. They don't always have to be a race. But think of this as this is what you want to accomplish this year.
0: This could be a weight thing, too?
1: Yep. Well, I, want, no. I No? Not in performance. So that gets us to the other type of goal, which is training goals. I see. And this is where you would put weight. So training goals are what you need to accomplish in your training in order to be able to accomplish your performance goals. So easy example, if you wanted to win... Nationals time trial, there's a real ambitious goal for you. Mm-hmm. If you want to win the Nationals time trial, I want to see some training goals related to raising your threshold power, improving your, your ability to hold an aerodynamic position on a bike, things like that. Mm-hmm. So these aren't performance accomplishments, but these are the things that you need to accomplish to get to those performance goals. Now, here is where this all kind of comes around full circle and where goal setting actually gets really easy. If you go back to your gap analysis and you look at your next level, that really defines your performance goals. So for example, if somebody said, next level for me is to be a uh, contender in cat three races then I want to see some performance goals related to finishing on the podium in Cat 3 races.
0: And how specific do you want somebody to be? Do you want them to identify the race at which they think they have the best shot at, per- at performing that way, or is it a, ge- a bit more general?
1: I prefer general. I don't mind athletes targeting a particular event, but if they do, I also want some general ones. Because my experience with athletes is, when they target a specific event, very rarely do they accomplish their goals there. It's usually like if an athlete says, I really want to win this year and I want to win this race, they don't win that race. It's usually a race that they don't care as much about just because most people, when they have that pressure on their shoulders, don't perform as well. So they go to a race, they go, yeah, hey, this is just another race. And all of a sudden they're in the breakaway and all of a sudden they win the race. And that's and then they look back in the season and go, that was the highlight of my season. So if you purely focus on one event, often that can lead to disappointment. And the the best example I, I have ever seen of this, or I shouldn't say best, the worst example I, I still feel for her is Aaron Willock, who went to the Olympics for Canada. She spent four years, all that mattered was the Olympics. And this was China and was it two thousand eight? Two thousand
0: eight, yep, Beijing.
1: And it was a course tailor-made for her. She was a phenomenal climber. And this had a big climb in it. She put aside everything to spend four years getting to the Olympics. It was, you know, the, the stories that she can tell about what it took to get to the Olympics. She could do a whole podcast on that. And she was at the Olympics, she was in the road race. They were coming into the final time up that big climb. She was sitting about eighth wheel in perfect position. I mean, knowing how strong she is, I'll say this, I mean, she'd be more modest about it, but I'll say she should have had a medal. But it was raining and a less experienced woman was beside her right as they hit the climb. That less experienced woman was riding on the the painted line and fell over, landed on Aaron and ended Aaron's race.
0: Yep, that's bike
1: racing. That is bike racing. <laughs> there are the, that's the danger of focusing on a particular event. And Erin came back and I asked her about it later on. And she said, I will never focus on one event again. And then the following year, she was the NRC champion.
0: The phrase putting all of your eggs in one basket comes to mind. You know, that, yep. that can lead to disaster, they can all break at once. Yep.
1: So there is the danger of setting a goal of a single event. You could just get sick the, the week before that event and not even go. So, I mean, I always have my athletes set one or two A races, but we want other races. And the fact is, so I haven't set A, B, and C races. I tend to find athletes perform their best at the C races.
0: Pressure's off.
1: Yep. So, yes, you can say I want to win race X, but I like it better when an athlete says something like, I would like to win two Cat 3 races this year. Because then we have a whole bunch of options, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of opportunities. So go back to your gap analysis, look at what you defined as the next level, and then your performance goals should be basically answer the question: what do you have to accomplish in order to be able to say you reach that next level? And those are your performance goals. It's a really easy way to come up with your goals. So then You've gone through this whole process of defining what is the next level for you that's ambitious but uh, accomplishable in a season. You've now set goals for the year that if you accomplish those goals, you can say I've achieved that next level. So this really directs your goals as opposed to just coming up with arbitrary, well I kinda like this race so I'm gonna set a goal of winning this race. It's more this is the next level for me. Here's what I have to do to get to that next level. Training goals. This is where we start getting into solutions. Look back at your gaps. Turn each one of those into a goal. What is the solution to that gap? And then make that a goal. So let me give an example. You might have identified a gap as, uh, I can't keep up on, on the long climbs. So now you have to look at, what is it that is preventing me from keeping up on the long climbs? Well. In this particular example, you might say, I, I'm too heavy. You know, some athletes can say that, some athletes can go, no, I'm, you know, my body fat's pretty low, I don't want to lose any more weight, that's not the solution. Um, another potential solution is that you just don't have the the power to keep up with the, the people that are, are winning those climbs. So this is where, if, it's, if you're talking about a long climb, you'd go, okay. I want to improve my sustainable threshold power because that's what those climbs are done at. Um, So you need to analyze that gap and start answering that question of how do I solve this particular gap? But go back to that example I gave at the very beginning is sometimes people identify the wrong solution. So this is where you really need to dive into it and say what is is the cause of that that gap And, and what is the solution to this and then turn that into a goal. And that's where a coach can really help you, and they would want a description, uh, want you to to describe that gap to them, and then they might be able to say, okay, here's what I think is actually the solution to that that particular gap. This
0: is probably a bit difficult to answer, but how long should somebody spend with this process? Do, you know, in your experience, over time. Is this something that you sit down in a day and you finish it, or is this something that you sit down once, you write some things out, you mull it over, you let it percolate in your mind on a few bike rides perhaps, come back to it uh, next week, et cetera? What, is it, what does it look like? What's the timeline here?
1: When I go through this with an athlete, it's quick if we get it done in a month. I do it in the steps. First, the season assessment, then the gap analysis, then the goals. And we don't move on to the next one until the other one's done each one, I'm going to have them go back through it a couple times. So write it, send it to me. I I want them to not look at it for a few days and then come back and revisit and then rework it. This is hard. As you saw, there's lots of little nuances about gaps versus goals. How do you come up with the goals? And before we move on, the last thing I will say about the goals is they all have to be concise. They all have to be measurable. Performance goals kind of have built in metrics. So if you had a performance goal of, "I, I want to, finish on the podium in a cat three race. Well, you have your metric. Training goals often don't have a, a metric. So a bad training goal is I want to improve my functional threshold power. So you need to have a, a time period to it and you need to have a metric. I want to improve by 20% or I want to get
0: it to in right. a certain I, number. I want to
1: improve my functional threshold power, 20 watts. I want to have achieved that by April. That's a good goal. And I will often ask my athletes, let's also attach to that a way that we can benchmark it. So i I give you a good example. I was working with a time trialist who was actually focusing on the national time trials. So he wanted to improve his power. There was a weekly time trial series that he went to. So we added benchmarks to that goal of by April we want you to be doing a time of X at that time trial. by by May, this so we we literally had an event that we used uh, to use as a metric for the goal. Mm-hmm. And that's
0: a probably a pretty ideal situation to have that built into your season with with checks like that.
1: Right, but you'll be surprised how often you can come up with checks. So if your goal is related to improving your climbing, well, have a climb near you that sure. you go and check yourself on yep. periodically. Your test climb. Like that.
0: All right, now we're going to bring Coach Ryan Kohler in to discuss how to turn goals into actions. We'll start by revisiting some of the key concepts we discussed with Trevor. Here we go. One of the key components here that we've seen throughout
2: this is the value of the interaction and having someone assess that. Like you said, Trevor, where they might take a few days to do this and then it gets sent back to them with comments to keep reworking it. So really that value and having someone look over, it can help you really get those, those um, assessments dialed in. And, and I think with uh, a lot of athletes, even having making sure that if you're, you have a family, have that family involvement. So you have your coach looking at it, you might have your, your spouse or someone else looking at that, and then they can actually help I think they get that stuff dialed into it, you know, for those of us with, you know, the time limitations. I mean, that's a big one say, oh yeah, I want to do this, this big race and my coach thinks I can do it. Let me talk to my (laughs) wife about this and see where is it realistic. So I think it's just the value of having essentially that whole team. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I would think too, if, you know, if you didn't have a coach to, to volley this back and forth with teammates would Maybe be able to uh, help you with your season assessment or your or your gap analysis, and and help you be maybe even more honest with yourself. You might have a bit of a oh I'm I am really good at my sprint, and your teammates might be like, dude, you're not very good at, with your sprint. Like they might check that.
2: Yeah, you have that that impartial that third person, so that's going to look at things and and not yeah. Like we never see you up front. Why do you think you're the best sprinter? And, <laughs> and they'll they'll tell you, and then yeah. that's the honesty that I think helps it keeps the honesty there.
1: All of this has to be realistic or or there's no point to it. And having somebody check you on that, even if it's hard to hear. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's always nice to have a a friend, colleague, family member, or coach to look something over and give you feedback on it in this, certainly in this context.
2: The last piece of step three, where, where Trevor was finishing up with the goals, we have a few different ways to do this. And when I'm looking at goals with athletes, I go toward, we've all probably seen it around at some point, but that SMART goal assessment, you know, to kind of check yourself and...
0: I don't know what SMART means. Tell me
2: Perfect. what smart uh, means. I know
1: you don't know what Just smart a, means. I've
2: been oh, you this for years. Oh, jeez.
0: <laughs> Tell us what smart actually means, we'll Ryan. we are talking
2: about the smart assessment. Okay. So those letters stand for specific things to, that you can use to sort of check your goals and see if, yeah, if they're realistic, things like that. So starting with the S, the S is specific. So... Is it specific enough? This is part of, of Trevor's goal setting too that he, that he mentioned. With this, I'll look at, okay, what kinds of goals do we have? So we, we may have some specific goals of, yeah, I want to podium at this race. Um, but then we can also break these up into, are they outcome goals? Are they process goals? And, you know, that'll help shape how we start looking at the process.
0: I'm 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 playing devil's advocate here, or, or that's not the best term, but for those that are really new to this, what's the difference between an outcome goal and a process goal?
2: And an outcome might be something like I want to finish on the podium at X race, you know. And then I think this was referenced in in Trevor's description too of how do we how do we get there? This would be like the training goal of I need to achieve. I need to reduce my body weight so I can improve on these climbs. I'm going to have this. I'm going to focus on my nutrition and make some better food selections and that might be getting us down that process of of how we approach that and i like how it allows us to also look at the big picture where we we don't focus on just like oh, i need that one podium or i need this national championship but what are all of those habits that we can do throughout the season to help us move closer to that and i think it it within the gap analysis it helps us to see okay are we going from step a to b or c or are we trying to jump from a to M or N, you know?
1: So I use performance and training goals, but it's basically the same thing. Your your outcome is your performance goals right. and your, your process is your training goals. Yep. Same idea. Just wanted to clarify. So then the M... <laughs> would be measurable. So
2: is it something we can measure? And again, this was, we've talked about this. Uh, we need some kind of something we can measure and track and, and allow, our, allow ourselves to benchmark our progress. So if we know that we're making progress toward this, then it's, it's that nice positive feedback loop to keep us moving in the right direction. And if not, then we bring back that honesty to say, okay, I didn't achieve that. What prevented that? What can I do better? And then we, we maybe change it, tweak it a little bit, and then keep on moving forward. So then the A would be achievable. And we discussed this a little bit as well. Is, is it something achievable? And I look at this as we don't want it to be too easy. And we can have a mixture of some that are that we think might be easier to achieve, others that are a bit of a stretch. But I like those stretch goals because they give us something to shoot for. And of course, if it's I want to wear the yellow jersey and I'm a 40-year-old cat five on the road, that's too much. So unless it's not the tour yellow jersey you could just i can just go buy a <laughs> yeah, jersey so. that is that that <laughs> takes different means yes but yeah, how, how just looking at the range of goals that we can set, and sort of with that achievable as sort of a sliding scale. Realistic is—is is it just a realistic goal? Um, is it something that revolves around our current habits? Does it fit within our lifestyle? And then finally, the the T—is it time bound? You know, do we have those those timeframes built in? And and what is it going to take? You know, we want to raise our FTP twenty percent, and we set that for three weeks out. Eh. Probably not, but we look at, okay, what's a realistic time frame for that? And that's where, yeah, we can have teammates, coaches, other third parties that maybe have done this before have this understanding of, hey, I want to increase my FTP by 20% this year. Well, okay, your coach would probably have a good sense for how much time that would actually take, you know, and, and you throw a goal out there and they may say, oh, that, that's a four-year plan. Yeah, let's save that, but let's find something we can do within this one-year plan. So that's kind of the, my way of going through and just figuring out, yeah, how, how reasonable is everything? And does it make sense
0: within, within our lifestyle? Well, this begs the question, Ryan, Trevor, we've done all of this assessment and analysis. How do we take all of this information and incorporate it into a training plan?
2: Right. So then, yeah, it's a matter of taking, yeah, like you said, all this information and how do we actually break it down? Because it could feel a little bit overwhelming, maybe once we get all of this stuff and then we try to figure out how do we put this into place. So my first step is looking at what are those goals? So if we've done our gap analysis and we've come out with our goals, then yeah, how do we lay these out? And I have a a couple different names that I'll throw in there that differ slightly from Trevor's. Um, but one would be, okay, let's categorize these goals. One might be, you know, physical or event goals. Um, you know, so that might be something like improving your power or podiuming, something like that. Um, there's a, there's a mental piece that I like to include and that'll fall in line with how I sort of evolved this process over the years. And then I'll add in a nutritional or health side to it. So again, more sort of, you know, quality, type of assessment there. And then we have targets. So that would be more specific things like, uh, you know, want to increase my power to weight to X or, you know, something with that, that can be measured. So yeah, then, like you said, how do we start breaking that down? And just the way my brain works, I like to really just try to break these out. And that's why, you know, on this document, at least there's tables because it just makes sense. And I try to keep everything nice and clean looking. So we look at this, this macro cycle view for the whole season. And there's a couple pieces to this where we've got a time frame, we have a goal, so we can choose, you know, one or more goals depending on how we think this might fit into the time frame of the entire season. And then previously, this started off when I did this as sort of a goals, expectations and outcome process, right? So over the years, that's evolved where the expectations piece has sort of got rid of and, and started calling it more intentions. So it was more goals, intentions and outcomes. And really, once we once we write that goal down and put it in there, then previously, if we said, okay, these are my expectations, then there's, it's a little bit heavier that way, where we have this, you know, at times, if it becomes difficult to continue moving toward that, then it's like this thing hanging on us. Mm. And, you know, it can be stressful and, and uh, just decrease our motivation a bit too, to keep moving, moving toward it, or where we might just say, ah, forget it, I'll just Move on. Sounds okay.
0: like expectations are a bit of a stick, whereas, mm-hmm. whereas intentions are a bit more of a carrot. Yeah. Like it's a positive spin. It's it's not – they're not that different, but expectations can lead to pressure, intentions maybe less. So
2: Yeah, and I think with expectations, initially it, it made sense because I was early in my coaching career when I thought of it this way – and you know you think of okay we have a goal as the coach we would have some expectation of what this would look like and that's something we can help communicate back to the athlete but then over time yeah it it did become more of a stick to say okay we didn't achieve that oh well now does that just throw the whole season out out the door? Well, not necessarily. So thinking of it more as intentions of like, yeah, it's more positive. These are the things that I can do. These are the ways I can adjust my lifestyle. These are some of the sacrifices I can make that I feel good about and I can start to move toward that goal. And then the outcomes finally would be, you know, we can put down, well, these are the outcomes that I would maybe expect to happen. You know, we could use it in in, in that sense to say, yeah, I, I'd like to be able to ride X amount of miles by the end of this this block, and we can also use it as an actual outcome. So it's sort of a plan versus actual in a way, where then once we get to the end of that block, we can actually go back and say, okay, this is what worked well. This is actually what the outcome was, and then we can sort of do this mini assessment throughout the year too. And I found this with um, you know some of the the groups that I've coached, and in particular juniors, because you know they they don't necessarily stop to. Think about things, right? They're just right, go go go, and um, putting those questions out there to them to say, okay, we just did, you know, we're, we're doing some skills on the bike. Uh, we might do some some laps in the pump track, for example, and then, you know, having them stop and think in this very small piece of time to say, okay, what went well? What did you feel happening there? What could you work on next time? So I think just inserting little bits and pieces into that in those smaller time frames through the year can be helpful in getting the athlete to get used to thinking back, you know, thinking critically and thinking back on things and seeing what worked and what didn't and then help that progress. So that would be kind of the year. So we might break down in that macro cycle. We, you know, I have an example here with three mesocycles and they're roughly three to four months, you know, a piece, but that can, of course, that can be anything. So this, uh, example here is specific to, uh, a mid early summer race, right? So the, the first mesocycle is January through March. The second one is April, May, and June, and so on. And we just adjust these timeframes as necessary to suit, you know, one, what, we, what, we, what our goals are, and two, when we'd like to have this performance occur. So like I said, this one's just around a race.
1: A lot of people listening to this obviously can't see this graph, and this is a great graph that, that Ryan has put together. Uh, but what I really like about what you're doing is somebody can come up with very successful or very good goals for the season. But we all get trapped in that, hey, the season's really long, it's December, I don't have to worry too much, I'm gonna accomplish that goal at some point. And I've hit the end of a few seasons or suddenly it's September and like, wait a minute, when when were those goals supposed to happen? It's it's always something up ahead. And you don't think as much about how do I get to that goal. So what Ryan has done here with this graph is taken the year, broken it into these mesocycles, so he has January to March, April to June, July to September, and then looks back on the goals for the season and says, if I'm going to accomplish these goals, here's what I need to accomplish in January to March. Here's what I need to accomplish in, in April to June to ultimately accomplish the bigger goals. So you're, you're breaking it down into, here's how I'm going to get there. By breaking into these these cycles you're able to see all that and know what you need to accomplish by when.
2: Okay, so we have our our sort of big picture view there where we've broken these into these mesocycles of a couple months at a time. The next step would be then taking each mesocycle of a few months and breaking that into individual blocks. And so when we look at these, this may be uh, a matter of weeks, you know, it could be three, four, five weeks and uh, whatever is appropriate, but then it allows us to dig, just dig that down a little bit deeper and focus on more specific targets. So this is where we might have one training block of maybe 3 weeks, 4 weeks and we can pick a particular task to work on. So it could be a skill, it could be a piece of your fitness, but it helps us evolve the training program to suit those needs and always asking the question of does this move me toward closer to that goal. And I like how as as the coach and athlete relationship, then it allows you to have that give and take where as a coach you're saying, yeah, this is what I think we should do, the athlete might say, you know, oh hey, well I'm, I'm over in the Pacific Northwest and it's just, you know, it's rainy and cold right now and I can't get out to train outside to work on this skill because our park is closed, whatever. Um, maybe we can work on something else. So it gives us the ability to adjust those targets and say, okay, well, we know we're coming up on a different time of year in the next block. Let's just flip these around and allow us to just keep that good focus from block to block. So really trying to just prevent any of that sort of mindless piece where we just don't know why we're doing something. So I think it just always gives us purpose. And and the same thing, I break this down into, you know, what's the target for that block? What ability are we trying to develop? And then what are those intentions that we intend to do to help us accomplish that? So that may be a very specific task of doing something twice a week, you know, and, and that may be something that falls in line with family and life commitments to say, yeah, I can do this. And I know those are key sessions. Finally, the outcomes, then we say, well, if we do this, if we intend to do a, B, and C, then what would the outcome be? Okay, well, I would I would be cornering faster, or I can climb faster on this segment and I might see a PR. And then at the end of that block, did we see it? Okay, great. If not, then how can we adjust and, and maybe build that into the next block? So then we just run through that for the different mesocycles through the year, and I think it's just sort of this evolving process that follows us. All right, so we'll step back a little bit and talk about... Kind of walk you through the story of how this plays out in a specific example. So this is a mountain biker. We call him Mountain Biker Bob, maybe? MBB. MBB. Mountain Biker Bob. MBB. All right. So MBB goes through this process. And we're starting back at the beginning with this macro cycle view. So we've established some goals, and this is event-specific. So in this macro cycle, which is going to be essentially our whole season, so that, that macro cycle view is just that the large big picture view. And when you hear that, just think the whole season, the whole year, right? So the macro cycles are broken down into mesocycles, and these are just now smaller components within that macro cycle. So these may be a few months at a time. So we might have mesocycle one, two, three, four, right? So for so Bob's macro cycle, has three mesocycles. This goes be- from January until September in three different cycles, right? So January through March, April through June, July through September. And the goal race for Bob is in the middle of June. So the second mesocycle is April, May, and June. That's where we're going to see this goal. So Initially, in the first mesocycle, we've got this time frame of January through March, and we have a goal of improving FTP by seven percent. We're working on improving that sustainable power. So the intentions associated with this is I want to I, I want to increase the sustained efforts because. I don't tend to do much of this. So my intention is to spend more time just doing sustained efforts. So, so that becomes part of the training. Increasing power to weight ratio is another one. I want to improve core stability. So I'm going, how do I do that? I intend to go and and do more strength training in the off season and come in feeling strong. And, and we should notice that this is another thing where these intentions should be something that we notice as a change to our normal routine. And then we have another one of remaining mentally fresh, right? So we can talk about how do we do that? You know, I I intend to to sleep more and and watch my sleep habits and that sleep hygiene. So we can identify some areas there to help that. Before we get to the outcomes, let's go and see how we broke this down. So if we go to this first mesocycle. In this example, we have three blocks, right? So we're thinking about this is a a mountain bike race that Bob's getting ready for. And we have a couple different targets that we want to develop. So we've got the three blocks. So block one, one of these targets we have is increasing cornering speed, right? So that's going to help our smoothness and our flow. And another one is more training related. And this falls back to some of our sleep habits and recovery. So this one we're calling maintaining the consistency of training right those are those are two targets we want to hit the intentions with this is practice cornering twice a week so bob's going to go out and you know go to the bike park or go to his local trails or just w- wherever he can and find a place where you can challenge yourself and and work on this cornering so we're going to do that twice a week and then the other intention is just making time for exercise so then we can dig in, into a, this a little bit more and say okay we'll make sure we get to bed by this time so i'm going to make make that time for exercise so that when I'm when I'm on the bike and training, I feel good. So with this one, we'll jump to the outcomes of, of this first block. So what Bob notices is, hey, I'm grabbing less brake through the corners. That's great. A little side note is that when I'm on switchbacks, I still get a little bit freaked out by those. So let's continue to work on that. But we have this positive outcome and then we're able to find something to say, yeah, I'm still kind of slow through those switchbacks, but that's great. We can still work on it. Another one is only missing, you know, one session of that. So, hey, great positive outcome. We hit the vast majority of our sessions. I missed one, but that's part of it. And that's why, again, these are intentions, not expectations. We don't need to stress about it and think about, was this still an improvement over the past? And if it was, awesome. Let's great. Now we have that positive feedback loop. So then the second block of training within this January, February, March timeframe We're looking at something a little bit more training related. So just spending this time at intensity, you know, we're looking at some threshold riding. We're trying to increase that from 30 minutes to 60 minutes. So now we're going to start to do more of those sustained efforts. And we have a certain target in mind to just time at that intensity to increase it. So the intentions there are to recover and fuel for the key sessions. So we know our key sessions are going to be around some of that threshold work and sustainable work. We want to make sure that we recover for those and keep those as priorities during the week. So the outcome for this one is, hey, we worked up to three by 20 minutes at threshold and we, got, we saw that we, had, we, we fueled well, we hydrated well, our heart rate was nice and stable through there. So those are some pretty nice outcomes that we can take and, and build on. So then we get to this third block in the first mesocycle, and we're going to do some high-intensity training. So we're, we want to come to those well-prepared, and we're going to do some testing at the end of this. So I want to come in mentally fresh for this, this FTP test because looking back, one of our goals is to increase FTP. So our intentions here, Bob's going to focus on sleep quality, and then a new thing that we'll bring in is, hey, let's we haven't talked about visualization. Let's bring some of that in, see about – how can we come to these workouts well prepared well let's visualize that workout what does it look like when we perform uh, optimally and and when we when we have a good session what does it look like so that can be a visualization technique we can use so outcomes for this block uh hey we got consistent bedtime and i and i feel like i slept better i just woke up more refreshed in the mornings Awesome. We did our FTP test and we found his 5% increase. So did we hit that seven target? No, but that's okay. We were pretty close and it's good progress. Um, One of the things I always mention to athletes is from my adventure racing days, one of the key takeaways from adventure racing is constant forward progress or motion. And, And I always tell this to athletes when it's, you know, we see something like this, maybe our FTP increased 5%, not 7%. That's fine. It's forward progress. If we can continue that progress, just like, you know, when you're out in the middle of the woods and you know there's six hours of hiking ahead of you, you're going to run into these these mental kind of valleys of despair. And as long as you keep moving, it doesn't matter if you're moving at a mile and a half an hour or three miles an hour, as long as you're moving, you're making that progress and you're going to get to the next section. So I, I, I like to bring that into this process of goal setting and, and progressing through these. So that's the end of that first mesocycle. We finished with that third block. And then, of course, after that, we would continue on into mesocycle two and three. So use that example. You can build that in and uh, dig into the further mesocycles as necessary, but that's, that's one. So that's the third block of Bob's first mesocycle as an example. So you can then take that and
0: build it into future mesocycles for two and three. Great. Yeah, that's a good example of walking through this process. It's kind of an inverted triangle, I guess you could say, Mm -hmm. where you're starting with this big picture view. You've got some delineation of things there, but you really want to drill down and drill down to your uh, mesocycle level so you have a better understanding of where those stepping stones are to see that progress, that forward motion. Right. Yeah, and it just, I
2: think, helps me personally with the planning. And that's one of the things like I said, I learned early on in coaching is know why you're doing something in training. And if you can't answer that question of why you're doing this, then figure it out or probably do something else.
0: That's a great overview of this goal setting process. Ryan, Trevor, do you guys have any other final thoughts here?
2: Yeah. So mostly knowing why you're doing this. Have, you know, give yourself the time to, to put into this and, you know, ha- make sure you have a resource to, to look at it. Like Trevor said earlier, um, understand what you're trying to get out of this. Take the time to put the information in there and don't rush through it, you know? And, and I think that'll really give you the, the answers you need to help develop that, that 30,000 foot view and guide your season. Trevor.
1: So my one minute is we covered a lot and this all sounds very complex, and I know it's an involved process. So really what I wanna get at here is, it is important to go through some sort of process. I highly recommend what we just described because that's really worked with my athletes. But I think if you start with assessing yourself, where you're at, where you'd like to get to, and then use that to direct your goals, You are, A, going to come up with goals that are more relevant, B, you're going to come up with goals that are more realistic, and they're going to set you up for a more successful season than just trying to randomly grab some goals that are out of context of where am I at, where am I trying to get to, what am I capable of doing?
0: That was another episode of Fast Talk. Subscribe to Fast Talk wherever you prefer to find your favorite podcasts be sure to leave us a rating and a review. The thoughts and opinions expressed on Fast Talk are those of the individual. As always, we love your feedback, so join us and join the conversation at forums.fasttalklabs.com to discuss each and every episode. Become a member of Fast Talk Laboratories at fasttalklabs.com join and become a part of our education and coaching community. For Ryan Kohler and Trevor Connor, I'm Chris Case. Thanks for listening.